Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to Republic's City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, Spirit Vines have engulfed Republic City and President Rikawa's band Korra as Team Avatar takes to the Earth Kingdom on their new mission to rebuild the Airbender Nation. Which one of your hosts is in danger of being kidnapped by the Dai Li? Is it Matt, Dave, Devendra, or Joanna? Hello, and welcome to... Republic City Dispatch. We're back. Uh, last week we previewed book three, and now we are knee-deep in book three change uh, with a, a trio of episodes. What do we get? We got episode one, A Breath of Fresh Air, the the premiere. Uh, episode two was Rebirth, not Rebirth of a Nation, as we thought it was titled, which is probably <laughs> fortunate for that. Good yes, God. it's only yeah. Rebirth. And then episode three, <laughs> The Earth Queen. Um, so we're here to discuss all three episodes. Who is we... Me is Matt Patches, and I'm with Devendra Hardwar. Hello, hello. Joanna Robinson. Hello, my turtle ducks. <laughs> you have to make your boom juice sound. Or no, your cat. Uh, Where's your cat it. to make your boom juice sound? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Dave with a seven, Gonzalez. Hello, I don't make any cute animal sounds. Why not? Um, uh, uh, not even uh, Pabu sounds? You like Pabu. Spite. Right? Let's go with spite. Pabu's yeah. best when he is silent. <laughs> you just consider that a, a man makes the sounds of all the animals in Korra. So you could too. You could fill that position in Hollywood someday. Man, if I could be the Korra uh, animal sounds guy, I would not do anything with the rest of my life. This podcast would just be animal sounds. That, that's our next, that's postseason follow-up episode <laughs> when people are dying for more. We'll just make animal sounds. Uh, we should probably get into talking about these three episodes because there is a lot of meat to chew on. Um, Dave, why don't you give us a rundown, a brief rundown of what happened in these three episodes? All right. Brief, you say. Brief. Very well. Summary bending. Episode one. There are new airbenders suddenly, including a dangerous criminal named Zaheer. Korra gets banned from a public city and sets off with Team Avatar to the Earth Kingdom. Episode two. Team Avatar learns that rebuilding the Air Kingdom is going to be harder than they thought. They only recruit an orphan thief named Kai, and Zaheer breaks out two more criminals from the White Lotus and old Zuko. Episode number three, the Earth Queen is really mean. She's secretly kidnapping new airbenders (laughs) to experiment on or build an army. Kai gets kidnapped, but in the process manages to lead Mako and Bolin to their long-lost family. That Boom. Was, that was wonderful. That was Economy. Wonderful. I Good just job. I just noticed how much you sound like the Republic City announcer who opens our show each week. In the- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we did that before they, they did that, just to remind <laughs> so everybody. We inspired them. We inspired them. Um, before we get into things, I just want to remind people that um, if, if you do not already, if maybe you listen to this show just on Tumblr or, I don't know, SoundCloud, uh, but... It would be helpful to us and helpful to Cora fans out there if you subscribed to this podcast on iTunes and left a comment, nice or, or critical, whatever you want. Leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It helps us get the word out on the show. Uh, and we love your feedback uh, on all fronts, iTunes, Tumblr, reblog, or comments, whatever it is. Let's keep the discussion going after this episode's over. Okay, guys, um, let's jump right into things. I, I don't know if we can structure this in a way that will hit each episode individually because it all kind of melded together in one big hour and a half on Nickelodeon. Yeah. But um, the question I wanted to turn to you guys right away and kick off this thing is, for me, I loved the first episode of this, A Breath of Fresh Air, because last season was such um, 
there was such momentum from the get-go that I didn't have time to breathe. There was a lot of plot to plow through, a lot of characters to introduce. Um, and what I loved about this first episode was, okay, let's let's settle down. Let's luxuriate in the fact that um, Korra just turned into a giant monster and fought Unavatu. <laughs> okay, that was huge. She fought the devil. Um Let's pull back and see where these characters are and take a quiet moment and just, like, pal around for a little bit. I mean, I love the scene where Team Avatar is basically sitting in the the dining room eating and talking like a family. Like, that stuff really jazzes me. Um, what did you guys think about this? Was this the, the, the right tone for Korra? This felt more like book one to me in a positive way because of kind of a slower pacing and a slower buildup that we don't get to see. Actually, it reminded me of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. I think that's how they described it, right? I've heard that this season will feel a lot more like Airbender, which is, uh, I think it's a good thing. Because last season, right, we did get a lot of stuff thrown at us for a while. And then, um, you know, by episode three and four, I felt like it didn't really have that momentum. I feel like they kind of, you know, used it all up at the very beginning. Here it feels a little more natural. Um, and I think the the consequences and the motivations make a lot of sense. Although I am really getting tired of the plot point where, you know, hero saves the world and everybody hates them for it. Because we see well, it. that's kind of real life. I know. I know. It's, t- it's always real life, right? It's it's totally ripped from the headlines. I don't know. <laughs> this is the George R.R. R. Martin. Every time. This is the George R.R. R. Martin style of storytelling. If if you oh, prevail. Oh, he's, she's Tyrion? <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's the thing, like, right? He he always had a problem with Lord of the Rings right. because that was like, oh, we, right. we fought the bad guy, we saved the day and everything, peace across the land. And here it's like, oh, yeah. do something right. And there's someone who's going to come after you for doing something wrong. Yeah, it's not quite Game of Thrones, but I do feel like, you know, when when your hero becomes a giant to fight, you know, the greatest <laughs> evil known to your civilization and everybody sees it, um, you know, cut her, cut her a little slack. <laughs> There's a vine in my house. What's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> I might have... <laughs> I might have had a different reading on the at least the beginning of this first episode uh, more than other people. Uh, yesterday, Spike Lee threw a block party in my neighborhood in Brooklyn to celebrate an anniversary of Do the Right Thing. So uh, for me, sort of revisiting this episode on the heels of visiting that craziness made mm-hmm. me think that all of a sudden the spirits are like building their all of a sudden there are ghettos in republic Whoa. city which used to be non-benders and now they're these spirit vines that have like literally drove the people out and all these upper class muckety mucks and the media are all pissed about this new immigration that has happened <laughs> whoa well, yeah no i definitely think that that's what was going on i didn't think about ghettos but definitely sort of this yeah. um immigration issue Mm -hmm. this like or integration uh, too i mean the giant hedgehog that she meets in republic city is like you know i'm just chilling in the neighborhood why is everyone pushing back on me it's really an integration situation and i do think we'll see i I feel like the earth kingdom stuff that is basically do the right thing we're gonna see an uprising there yeah just that exactly and it was yeah echoed when we got to bossing say and um this whole these questions to cora which is like you know is this part of your new world order your new agenda you're forcing these spirit (laughs) people on us and their vines are in my house and all this stuff so it's so political i love i love (laughs) that cora dips its toes into really dry political conversation without becoming and we always go back to this because the past two seasons have done this it's it'll never be the phantom menace with its trade nonsense. Uh, yeah. It's so well, boring. But here she can be talking about um, her poll numbers. I only have an 8%. I should be able to fix this <laughs> on the Avatar. And and Dave thinks I'm crazy. But I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Obama. You know, this is Obama. I mean, 
for Christ's sake, it, it's, his <laughs> slogan was change, right? Right. His campaign slogan was change. And yes. here's the episode. Here's the book change and her about change. And like she is worried about her poll numbers despite doing all this good for people. Uh, mm-hmm. How can this not be a parallel? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I just say, I just think we should be careful while living, <laughs> while Obama's president, attributing something to a series that is going to be about reforming the spiritual side of an entire yeah. world, because that is definitely <laughs> well, the spiritual side. Value. The spiritual side isn't. I wouldn't connect spirituality to the Obama <laughs> saga. I would. In this, in this case, in this case, spirituality is just a new breed of people, right? Or it's yeah. or it's bringing people together on either on on partisan lines. Well, I mean, uh, we, I think we had this conversation in book one, where I think it's going to be better for us as critics to look further back in history to see when these things came up, instead of just immediately looking right. for what's Which, happening. Yeah. Thank us. God, our our smarter commenters have been doing for us, <laughs> uh, and and are even sad that I, we didn't pick up on that earlier like these recaps that i wrote uh at screen crush people are like wait you you are the one with who sees all these crazy ideas in this show how could you not pick up on kim jong-il parallels or someone uh mentioned empress dowager sixy which is something i'm definitely going to read up on now who is this uh i think she ruled the Qing dynasty uh from 1861 to 1908 i'm like that is a blind spot in my historical (laughs) knowledge so i'll have to do some reading but you might be right, yeah. Dave, that uh, I mean, we're, we're smarter to go back further. Um, and perhaps, you know, a lot of people were talking about these kind of ancient books of China and um, uh, not religion, but spirituality. Mm-hmm. And there might be more to find ancient, there than yeah. anything. And we can always relate history back to what's happening today, because what I mean, we've learned over the last year, right? Time is a flat circle, guys. We're always <laughs> repeating these things as humanity, as a civilization. I think that's one of the more interesting things about Korra and Airbender, too. It's that, uh, you know, it's looking at these patterns we have as humans and how they repeat each other. So, yeah, the poll things, I, I didn't think Obama, but I did think every single politician. And it's funny how Korra, I think they're, she's maturing a bit, too. It almost seems like Studio Mir is drawing her a little more mm. mature, even though she this is only what a month or two after the end of a season yeah, two. a few weeks is how yeah. they put a few it. weeks yeah. it does it seems I, I i think in the way she's thinking she's more mature but she seems a little more adult now in the way they're drawing her so i don't know if that's just a change for she's the certainly tempered she's certainly mm-hmm. i mean she, real... she goes and meditates at this episode. none of the teenager stuff from season two which was right annoying. well so Here's we'll a, here's there. a real question about that Obama parallel though. Um, does Obama have like a really cool stick that turns into a glider that basically makes him a superhero and fly around the city? He, he Man, has Air Force yeah. One. <laughs> it, it glides technically. That's I think new, right? science. Yeah, Force. she never. I don't think she ever stick used glider. a glider. She didn't have the Ang glider before, but yeah, that's basically it. I wrote that down time. and then realized that I couldn't mention it anywhere because it's too geeky to just say. And she's using. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I think. Well, I think that shows like, yeah, season two was all about her trying to figure out. Well, season one was her learning airbending. Season two was her, I think, learning to use it better. Now she's like mastered it. She's like ang level. Here's my other Obama. She's she's the only avatar now because she's severed the lines. Right. So she she has to be the one that masters everything. And I think the air glider was shorting. Political angle. Not not necessarily Obama, but to really have no counsel. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like to be a, a, a. person standing alone and trying to make the world a better place when everyone else I mean, yeah we've never had her. any leaders like that throughout history <laughs> well patches. that's what i'm saying I'm, I'm i'm straying away from the obama 
parallel here and just going to yeah. p- the president in general or, or uh, you know, figures of history who have tried to have change. There's so many people pushing back. You don't usually have groups of people like that. You do stand alone. And having her tethered to the Avatar lineage is is kind of false in a way if we're yeah. talking about modern politics. Um, and-, and I also think it's interesting that she's now been exiled. She's leaving She's basically leaving the position of yes, of yeah. the important figure of Republic City, and she's going to Every- go do change. And that I, I predict that Obama might do the same. <laughs> <laughs> they are trying to impeach him, right? Isn't that the whole? Well, they, I mean, of course, they're always going to because. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like she's she's not a normal leader, right? She's not a ruler of a city or a particular people. She is basically the Dalai Lama. You know, she is a spiritual leader who was exiled, by the way, as well, uh, yeah. for, for for very similar reasons. So it's uh, it's interesting how, you know, I, I I do feel like she's taking a very similar role like that. And, you know, maybe maybe the Dalai Lama has advised She needs to get her. on Twitter like the Dalai people. Lama. Uh-huh. She yeah. certainly has people helping her, right, helping yeah. her to figure out things. But she's not somebody who can tell, who can basically... I don't know, change the way a government works. All she can do is suggest changes, I guess, and hope everybody goes along with her. Yeah, and we have that moment where Tenzin basically says she's not the president, and I think that was... Yeah. uh, Yeah. It was nice to see after two seasons of Korra being the student that she was now on a level with Tenzin where they could have one conversation and sort everything out and we wouldn't have to do it for like four episodes. (laughs) Right, right. So I I very much appreciated that. It was very succinct. Yeah. Very well performed. um, to, to go back to Patches' like, earlier question about the tone of this episode and why it worked better, another thing that I like is the way they sort of reshuffled the the pairings a bit in this season where you have Bullet and Mako back together as brothers more so than Mako as this like love interest torn between two people. And that leaves room for Asami and, and Korra oh to form this better friendship, which is awesome. It's so good. So, yeah, so I really love how they did that and decided to sort of leave this story that was getting tired. They addressed it, but then they just reshuffled the deck and the pairings are so much stronger, I think. And and there, it didn't seem like there was enough room in book two to have kind of glorious character moments that had comedy, that had a little pathos. That, I mean, the, the scene where Asami and Korra are driving in a car together, kind of recounting their romantic escapades with Mako. I just adore that scene because they're pl- like playfulness is something you mm-hmm. don't see in even live action television. Uh, either someone's spilling their heart and there's going to be a dramatic confession or someone's totally joking and it's all aloof. Um, here they're like playing each other. And I thought that was really a keen observation yeah. about how their relationship is growing. When you, That's what you do with friends. You like you joke with them or you tease them or you, you act serious and then pull the carpet from under them. That's such a wonderful take, moment. Take down a like motorcycle gang with them. Whatever yeah, that's is, what friends you know? do. But, but like I thought the really telling part was when they all get aboard the airship and Cora's like, you know, Mako, will you come? And he's like, nope. And then Bolin's like, Mako, bro, will you come? And he was like, okay, I'll come. You know, and so it shifts the focus from the romance to the family aspect, which – which Bolin teases at the very beginning of the first episode when he talks about how much he likes being part of the family with tens and et cetera around the dinner table. And then we get the sense that this is really a lot of this is going to be about Mako and Bolin's family and, and the mm-hmm. mysterious Harry Potter-esque uh, <laughs> death of their parents going forward. <laughs> 
Well, we, we talked we... about that a lot in season one, where we thought that it was going to be Amon was going to be revealed to have something to do with uh, Mako and Bolin. Because if you, this is like something that I like about this season that I didn't really feel with book two, which is that even though we're not part of the Avatar lineage anymore, we're still going to dig into the past a little bit and sort of connect some of these things, which is so great because it makes Korra a show that, like, obviously fans of the last Av- Avatar The Last Airbender could watch, but it's a show that's uh, still capable of doing surprising world-bending, world-bending, <laughs> world-building a season after it ripped down all of its status quos, which has been very exciting for me. Should- should we talk a little about the the Asami Kora Mako relationships here? I, I, or I'm, I'm like I absolutely love what they're doing with with Mako this season. They're not slipping back into a romantic thing, but it's also have, a very real. I feel like it's a very real milestone on a relationship. Or it, it feels like post college to me. Does anyone else feel that way? I mean, it's beyond, it's beyond. <laughs> or am I getting way too personal? It's beyond the mechanic. <laughs> that I hate about love triangles, which is somebody's not telling somebody else how they really yeah. feel. Yeah. And finally, this one was just everybody sort of says exactly how they're feeling, except Mako, who's so bad at hiding it that everybody just knows exactly right. how he's feeling. See, I, you guys, I, oh, go. Sorry. Well, there was that one shot when Mako first comes up and he's like trying to talk to Korra and Asami and failing, and Tenzin just sort of makes, sticks out his tongue and slides so out of great. frame. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually I need to grab that screen. That is my new yeah. uh, Twitter avatar. I love how, by the way, it's not just that. Studio Mir has been putting all these great little things in the background. Yes. Uh, that one scene where Korra and Asami are driving and Korra's horrible, and the guy behind her who's been honking just kind of drives by and gives them the evil eye in the background. Yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. That's that's Somebody, Luigi in Mario Kart, the new Mario yeah. Kart, that death stare. Somebody also mentioned that at the end of uh, the Earth Queen, when they were zooming in on Kai, someone made his pupils dilate. And yeah. I mean, I know we talked about the other studio, like not even bothering to have background characters blink when they were doing stuff. So mm-hmm. like stuff like the Southern Water Spirit Festival ended up feeling unpopulated right. and flat. And it's so nice. To have stuff like chases through the city streets and Studio <laughs> Mir just knows how to do bending and angles and uh, like three point perspectives to make the buildings look curved, but not. God, it's just so nice to be back with these people that know what they're doing. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I want to get back to Mako for one second because I see a lot of people on Tumblr or Twitter, you know, being very, they get very angry when characters make mistakes um, because, oh, shouldn't we know better? Uh, and I, that always makes me scratch my head a little bit because clearly we have an outside perspective to this whole thing and perhaps we'd make the better decision, but perhaps we would not make the better decision. You know, I, I cherish the mistake that I think Mako makes in this scenario because it will help him become a better person. Um, and for me, that's – and to go back to my metaphor of like a post-college life, you know, you break up with your high school girlfriend, and but you still have to come back and hang out with your friends every time you go to college. So Mako is basically, you know, he's in the police world, but he comes back and he has to hang out with these friends again. And it's so awkward. And like he doesn't know what – is supposed to what is this relationship now it's so murky um but of course core is just like yeah we can be friends right but can they you know that's that's really weird and mako should probably like the smarter person might say no i'm just kind of over this i'm gonna go beyond i'm gonna walk away from cora and my old friends and kind of live my new life um but mm-hmm. it's hard to do that and i i think he makes a mistake going with them to Ba Sing Se to be part of this journey 
um, personally. Oh, but, really? Oh, uh, okay. If Professor X rolls up and says, Matt Patches, <laughs> we need your mutant power to reform the mutant nation. You're like, oh, man, but I dated Kitty Pride this one time. It's yes. going to be really awkward. I, prob- I probably would do that. You I would, would probably do say, the- you would do I'm Iceman, and now I'm on, I'm on a separate Iceman team where all the Icemen hang out, and I'm just going to go ice some stuff by myself. You're just poor Bobby. X Factor by yourself is what you're saying. No, I basically no, no. am. Do you know? But do you know what I mean? That's like, what I'm saying. That's not what happened though, because it's not as if Professor X or even Kitty Pride asked him to go. Like I, right. Mako was trying to walk away, and it's because his brother is part of this that he went. So, mm-hmm. um, right. His closest friends are egging him on. It's like we're still part of the. We're still friends, guys. This is a friend well, he's group. Not gonna, we gotta yeah, stay he's not together gonna walk forever. Away from his brother and. It's as if your bro was best friends with your ex-girlfriend, so right. you had yeah. to. But like high know? school friends, they do that in the the years after college. But like it's inevitable <laughs> that some people dissolve. I hope I'm not really bursting bubbles here for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I don't know what's going dissolve. on. Dissolve. Cling to your high school friends. <laughs> this is like your 20-something story now. Make it yeah, work. Yeah, 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 I know. I'm getting very personal. I, well, it, I mean, it, it made sense. It's a good decision for uh, Mako, just wanted to say, because he's, he's sleeping in his office. He's sleeping under his desk like a sad, sad man. <laughs> true (laughs) he doesn't have much else going on he has no life he needs to do this man i i mean i don't think we're out of the woods with mako yet because we reestablish. you know he gives away his scarf big deal for him and we get to meet his family but i think uh lynn's coming to join team avatar and i don't know about you guys and old relationships but when (laughs) would you want your boss involved in that at any sort of way (laughs) So I, think I know that's like Mr. Belding have... coming on uh, Saved by the exactly. Bell Adventures. It's yes, like, dude. Hawaii. <laughs> what? I know you're recurring, uh, but. <laughs> well, that was a weird thing that they loved hanging because um, Mako was like, well, I'm going to have to tell Lynn that I'm going. He's not going to be happy about that. And then we never saw her reaction. I guess we'll see it when she joins them. Yeah, that was a really weird setup for no. Well, she seems to have yeah. a very important part of this series yeah they keep mentioning her season um and the trailer gave us slight glimpses of her in her youth i think so maybe she has a connection to zahir the big bad maybe she put him away at some point and she he'll be coming after her because she seems to be intrinsically connected based on what we've seen Mm -hmm. ahead i have have another theory oh go ahead I'm scared of your theories because you've read like summaries of of leaked episodes and that's Mm -hmm. no it's not from that at all it's from it's from us actually oh good Bolin uh, dies, or Tenzin dies. Tenzin dies. Tenzin I mean, if dies. you're gonna if you're gonna fill the character with as much meaning before you push him off, you gotta rekindle something between him and Lin. Not ah, like rekindle a romance so that. he's cheating on his wife, but put that in a better place so they both feel okay about Plus, it. Plus, we've already mm-hmm. seen him tear up with like joy the fact that the Airbender Nation is like growing. And oh also, my gosh, I, he is going to die. Yeah, you're right. He has yeah. so much to live for now that yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Tenzin dies. Um, <laughs> no, it's a fun guys. Death watches are fun. Like, let's just put well, it out there. What's our What's our strongest theory about our connection to the supervillains? Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, at first I thought one of them was Mako and Bolin's dad, but like now that I know that Mako definitely witnessed the death of his parents, then that Firebender lady has to be the one that killed them, right? Is that a good theory or firebender combustion girl yeah combustion girl my parents, parents got exploded right in front of me man <laughs> that would we'll never that get would over suck it. <laughs> i don't know i don't think they're going to like have a connection Voldemort. to 
<laughs> team Avatar backstory. If anything, mm-hmm. it's like Lin and Tenzin put them away. Oh, and maybe yeah, they'll come yeah. for them. But Zuko oh, seems... Zuko, too, yeah. It might be a Zuko a, fight. There, one of our commenters said that uh, the fact that Zaheer knew as much as he did about the Air Nomads sort of history, that possibly he was... Um, uh, somehow related to the air nomads that were wiped out by the fire nation and he is mad at the avatar because the avatar you know went away for a hundred years and didn't stop the air nomads from being wiped out even though we know that ang didn't know that happened uh that that where is where sort of like, his like animosity came from it's like, like there that... was genocide against his people and now he's gonna make the avatar pay i like that theory but like tying it back to air nomads doesn't that seem on the nose for someone who's just been imbued with airbending not, not really it's very similar to something that marvel comics has been doing with its inhumans which is that uh they unleashed this mist that made people have superpowers and it's not random people got superpowers <laughs> it's people that had the inhuman genetics from you know hundreds of years ago the mist. It's a recessive a recessive gene right that got sort of <laughs> elevated so the fact that you know i think we're gonna be dealing with a, the fact that they brought up Yu Dao, the earth uh, Queen very specifically brought that up and the sort of conflict there and the fact that it looks like uh, Mako and Bolin's parents, the fact that one's an earthbender and one's a firebender, they're definitely post Dao. I think we might be looking at like if you can really delete the nations with politics or if this is like a genetic thing that needs to exist for the balance of the world. Whoa. It, I, I would like some sort of explanation as to why Zaheer came out of the cage already an expert airbender. Like if I have to sing, (laughs) he must have gotten it only weeks before. That's the thing, right? right? When everybody did. So he only had a little time, but you know what? He only has time to practice. So maybe I would love to see the short of just like Zaheer training montage. Yeah, yeah. Rock, I, I Rocky IV. Like, the, the rice bowl, that's all right. they had to move in. Right. I'm going to take but clips the, from this season to Eye of the Tiger, and we'll do like a big training <laughs> montage explanation. There you go. And yeah, he's like a, he's a super airbender now. Like he knows, yeah. he basically knows how to fly or at least jump long distances, which is his whole escape sequence, by the way, I loved. That it is like classic such good kung action. fu movie. Great action, but also his escape from the mountain, like... It's yeah, classic kung fu movie stuff for me. It almost it, it seems like the end of Crouching Tiger, you know, where hmm. somebody jumps off of a mountain. Except this time, and it shows like how potentially that person may not have died. Eh? Um, well, it also but has the grace that. of like I, yeah. I kept thinking of Magneto escaping yeah. like countless times from plastic prisons. Like he's always escaping. oh yeah, all those prisons. Yes, like, and no, nothing can handle him. <laughs> yeah. Well, the pebbles just throwing a couple stones in that into the other guy's cage. Like oh, that yes, was basically. Yeah, Magneto's Escape from X2. Um, yeah, we're seeing so many X-Men parallels, by the way. So I know we've talked about this before, but I feel like it's stronger now. But I do have to say, I think this this whole new thing of like more airbenders just popping up, I feel like we talked about it a bit last year, uh, last season, because it, it is totally the Buffy potentials thing all over again. And Explain this more, because where... I never watched Buffy, but we've talked about Buffy before on... Oh, you've never watched you've Buffy? Watched okay. Buffy? I, I, you know, I've seen one episode of Buffy, the one where everyone's Boy, quiet. Have we yelled at you about this before? The one where you guys are bad friends. Dave, that, what that are you just doing? Blew what are you doing? I can't believe that we were like, let's all watch Sailor Moon or something and Pat just hasn't seen Buffy. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I did not realize you had this gaping. Okay, anyway. Anyway, very last season of Buffy. 
um, spoiling everything for patches now, but there's this, um, you know, Buffy basically, from what I can remember, decides to kind of open up the, uh, as she discovers more about, you know, the first Slayer and I guess the people behind um, the legend or the power of the Slayer, she figures out a way to open it up so that girls all across the world could become Slayers. And then there's this idea of potentials and they round them up and they train them so there are, you know, multiple vampire Slayers or a whole bunch of people who can help save the world and Buffy kind of becomes their leader. And I feel like we're seeing the beginnings of that again, especially people getting these powers and not knowing how to handle them and things like that. Yeah, I think we're also building up to a uh, redefinition of the Air Nation. I tried to, when I was writing my mm-hmm. descriptions, not say Air Nomads, because I can't picture that lifestyle working right. for these people. Right. Like, Neither I, can I, those people. That was what that whole <laughs> montage was about. Oh my god, that was amazing. I think, <laughs> I think it's very possible we're building to like a council of airbenders that's going to be like Kai and the Air Kids. Um, Kai and the Air Kids. Kai. Saturday mornings on. <laughs> yeah, and then so like they have this whole thing where they're building like a real nation, and Janora can take the ones that still want to be air monks and get the you know arrow tattoos because they have to invent invent a new form, so that's got to be difficult. Janora said the like creepiest, most impactful line in this three in this three episode run. Um, Cora really wanted to destroy the vines, so she's like flinging fire at them and trying to trying to burn them away. And Janora's like, "Why would you want to get rid of them?" They're con- we're connected to the world, you know. They're connected to the world. I'm like, whoa, you are creepy. She's the- <laughs> but also very She's spiritual. The She's the Russ Cole of this series. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you so guys true. are much. I was like, when did they get Shailene Woodley to be Janora? Oh uh, wow, yeah, uh, Janora, go make your root tea. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere else. Um, but no, I find that very intriguing. I feel like that's going to come back in a big way. Uh, I mean, Cora's still learning about the spirit world and like mm-hmm. what it means to be part of it or merge it with the real world and let it all kind of flood together. Um, and Janora, yeah, she she is the old school Airbender type, uh, and I wonder how that'll really play into things. Um, I have a few, I've seen a few people complain that there was no explanation for why people have Airbending powers now. Just like con- harmonic convergence, blah blah blah. Now everyone has Airbending powers. Yada yada yada. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and which I'm fine with. Like I get that. There's something intriguing about that. A burst of energy from the spirit world that suddenly people have Airbending powers. That doesn't. I mean, that's not a shock to me. Um, but it's something that I do think they'll probably explain because the spirit world will come back to this season in a big way mm-hmm. going, um, despite not seeing it much here except a right. talking hedgehog <laughs> talking going, going hedgehog. back to uh janora really quickly i think the smartest thing they did though is give her this little crush on kai because that humanizes so her she was she was very much in danger of becoming this very creepy child with like <laughs> at the end of last season when she like spent all that time in the spirit world and astral projected herself or whatever it is that, that she did um like yeah floating angel janora and we weren't sure what was happening but now you know she's yeah she has her rust coal moments but she's this little girl <laughs> with a crush which is great so uh, the the airbender thing, by the way, as well. Like, I think it's interesting to see it pop up because I, the first two seasons have really been all about balance, I guess, and trying to get spiritual balance back into this world. And I think a big part of that is just spreading out the idea of what an airbending uh, nation would be, right? You can't just have a few people doing it. So... Did, wait, I just want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. Joanna, yeah. did, you ever, did you ever see that movie Little Manhattan 
Josh. Yeah, Hutcherson. yeah, Josh Hutcherson. It's yeah. gonna be just like oh, that. Man. Like two little kids falling, a ten-year-old and eleven-year-old falling in love in New York City, falling in love with Republic City Disney. Bossing say. Yeah, but falling uh, in say. Uh, amid the Mad oh. Max biker gangs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that ruled. That's, that's what you want to hear from Sally Draper, right? The voice of Sally Draper. Why not? So give her some. I haven't fun. seen mm-hmm. Mad Men yet, so uh, oh my god. Okay. All well, the that spots, so great, All the blind so. spots are coming out. <laughs> Uh, sure. Wait. Let's turn our attention to Bossing Say for a second, since Davindra had brought up the Mad Max bikers, which was just so, radical. Like, what a, what a testament to everything that you can do in this world. Nothing's off limits. Um, you can have crazy post apocalyptic bikers who who storm in and attempt to fight the Avatar for some reason. Like, really, yeah. nothing. All all is beyond thunderbending dome or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. But I, I mean, I loved coming back to Bossing Say. Something I wrote about this week was, um, you know, I think why book one is so successful is that it's very contained. Um, not not to be cliche, but Republic City is very much a character of this show, um, and we really explored all its facets, all its possibilities in book one. And by really containing the action there, we learned so much so quickly without feeling rushed like book two, where we're bouncing all over the map. We don't have time for anything. Um, we can turn a corner and find something valuable in book one because it's all stuffed into Republic City. And I'm, I, I get that vibe, too, from Bossing Say. Like, everything I'm learning about the world, I can do it in this microcosm. Uh, and I don't think we'll stay there for the entirety of this season, but it, it brings me comfort to go to Bossing Say and just, like, see another part of this world that's also just really stuffed and brimming with ideas. Or cities like book two. <laughs> book two is just really bad about where we are, where we were, and where we were going. Like Patches, why it mattered. Do you remember where Cora was going when she got attacked and struck with amnesia? Um, she was going to visit Zuko. Yes, in the Fire Nation. <sighs> I rule. But they mentioned that once, and then she's on a boat and crying because she broke up with Mako, and we completely forget where she's going, and it's just yeah, really hard yeah. to track. Right. It whereas, never matters. Like yeah, We he, never get to Zuko. That never comes back. Here, it's really nice because they're thematically connecting urban centers, and because they're able to do that, we're able to get a whole bunch of backstory for each character that we meet there through like the shorthand of... like modern urban storytelling so like in book one it was noir and in book two it had to take on this huge fairy tale concept and then also unmoor itself from the like urban consequences and like they're like oh there's a president but don't worry about him he's not important until like episode eight when he won't help us so it's really (laughs) nice to see like them sort of adapting the avatar the last airbender let's go to each town and find something to do become let's investigate these cities through different avenues. And mm-hmm. that means we get to see the adorable cartoon Indiana Jones map. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, the map. <laughs> it's so fun. And their, little, and their little faces get like sadder and sadder. Yeah, the, the chibi more they faces. Get rejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think like disaffected hipster airbender was my favorite. <laughs> so good. Ones. So <laughs> good. Of course you got to cast John Hader. Yeah. And his, his mom's uh, Maria Bamford too. Oh really? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. who really needs to get more work because she plays Tenzin's wife, who yeah. I, I can never remember her name because she never gets to do anything except Emma? be vomited Emma. on. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, are we going to see Ryu the hipster? We we have to see those guys again, right? He'll be the villain of the. Uh, no, I don't. 
Well, I mean, at least at like the end of the season when whatever happens to the world makes people realize they want to be airbender, it's like that's the guy that's going to come back around, right? Yeah, yeah. Not like slouch into screen and be like, I'm here, whatever. I or felt like a Guardians of the Galaxy situation, just a bunch of losers <laughs> trying to save the world. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be awesome. I want to see what like uh, half cheeked, half cheeked airbending <laughs> looks like, where he's like sort of into it. Like Milo's out there Ironic. fart bending and like Ironic yelling and yeah. Ironic airbending. I want to see that really bad. <laughs> oh, man. Do we, by the way, do, have we seen Zuko before in Korra? I forget. No. Is this our first it was, time? It was so weird. There's this, yeah. like... <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, he's here, and he's no a fan dragon now. And he's right. a huge yeah. dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody knows who he is. It's like, as a Deska are like, oh, hello, yeah. Zuko. And I'm like, oh, that that's how we're going to introduce him in this? Kind of okay. anticlimactic, yeah. He, people were surprised to see him riding a dragon, but I'm pretty sure there have been dragons. I was just watching oh, yeah. an episode from book two of Avatar The Last Airbender where he's having some sort of, like, fever dream about hang, like hugging dragons. Uh, so that seems... They must have dragons in the fire. No, I mean, one of the first uh, avatars also, or one of the earlier avatars also rode a dragon, so it was there. Right, he had or, Fang, but that was when he was dead, right? I mean, oh, yeah. or, or the dragons knew uh, in the past few weeks, and mm-hmm. we'll just deal with that later. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. That's true. <laughs> no clue. I don't know, they seem really comfortable, but come on, there was there su- such a better way to introduce Zuko to this world. You you wanted the Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull like Zuko uh, Zuko picks up his hat. Zuko picks that. up I mean, his little I crown. I didn't want that. I just want like some recognition like, you know, something crazy happens. There's a giant dragon floating around and Zuko steps out of the shadow. So, no, he should have some- poured some tea. Someone's <laughs> close up on tea. Does it simply yeah. smell like honor in here? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he. I think we just are introduced to him in profile. Get me my uh-huh. dragon. I was excited to see um, the twins again, though. Oh, yeah. Um, One of my favorite about- seeds of all three episodes is when they're all riding together to the secret prison and they're admitting that they've all tried to kill the Avatar. And Korra's dad is sitting there. Yeah, Korra's dad's sitting right there. That is or wonderful. when the boy twin is like, I, I refuse to know their names, but the boy twin is like talking Desna. about his. <laughs> Versus Eska, okay. Uh, throwing his tailor into the ice prison, the secret ice prison. Good, so good. I love that the, the show still has room for like the little funny lines too. Like uh, Zuko's like, I think uh, ironically, I hired a guy with a similar ability to kill the Avatar once. Didn't work. Yeah, that, that beat <laughs> is still kind of funny. And then everybody looks at him knowingly. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, I think we there was a problem with book two that was it was such a rush that you couldn't have the comedy. So you almost needed right. to write Varric into the show just so that there would be a character who is always being slimy and weird and saying non sequiturs. Here, uh-huh. it's the comedy is so organic. I mean, we were yeah. talking about the tense and montage where he's like, you could have uh, tattoos like these, or your best friend could be a sky bison. Who doesn't want a sky bison? I know. That, that, I was sold. I was sold. If a Jehovah's Witness came to my door right now and told me I, my best friend could be a sky bison, I would be out the door. So that great. A, well, we know. We know it will sell you, Matt. <laughs> that was a great oh. um, animal shot when like the sky bison and the polar bear dog had their tongues out on the, on the airship yeah. as it was flying away. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, They're oh. just like normal animals. Yeah, just like dogs. They're just like us. Oh, wait. No. Just like us. <laughs> Uh, little things too, like I think the animation just feels like everybody's a little more alive too. When we see uh, Desna and brother, right? They're all uh, they're so bored, and then I think Zuko's like, "Well, we have to go to the secret prison." Little smiles, yeah, they get the Grinch mini Grinch tiny smiles. little smiles, yeah. so good. And I don't think I don't think it like or or like slowly 
turns into a smile. I think it kind of like blinks into a smile. Yeah, or something. Yeah, it's a very yeah. strange bit of animation, but it per- works perfectly. <laughs> well, Lynn also benefits from having more poses in his comedy scenes than he did in uh, book two. So if you watch something like the uh, Southern Spirit Festival where Bolin meets Eska for the first time, you know, he does some funny stuff. He does this little plane, like, I'm going to make my move, you know, thing and whatnot. But nothing in comparison to, like, these six comedy poses he gets to do making his grandma impression to Mako. And it's just, like, <laughs> the animation furthers uh, PJ Burns' work as Bolin in ways that I didn't know I was missing through book two. But book three made me remember stuff like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. all this good stuff with Pabu from season one. Even, Bol- like, Bolin's... Okay, grandma impression's great, but Bolin's Mako impression when he like <laughs> changed his hair and did a Mako was so good. Everyone's Mako impression is hilarious. <laughs> so great. I, I, little things too, like the the little like car, chibi avatar team on the airship as they're going from city to city. It gets progressively sadder. Yeah. Love that. I love I, that. I they're like all happy and glad in the first one, then slowly, slowly to the anime tier. So good. That that has to be the Korra board game. <laughs> racing across Could, uh, yeah recruit airbenders how you know, will you do it you know what i've never known like and i've only discovered this writing about Korra and avatar the last airbender so we know that there are kingdoms but unlike say get game of thrones which is this world is called westeros right uh what is the world what is the avatar world called are they just called earth i guess they have earth bending so maybe they capital yeah, earth, e earth that's the earth kingdom Right. right. So what do you, what do you, what do you, what do we call the nation, the four nations? Maybe I should just refer to it as that. I don't know. It looks like uh, Europe, though. <laughs> I was surprised how much it looked like Europe on the map. Eurasia. It has a Eurasia look. And by the way, Westeros yeah, just like in Germany. Like yeah. <laughs> just to be clear, Matt, Westeros I think is just one of the continents. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. There's... So we still we don't have a whole name for that world either. Oh, it's the man. four kingdoms there too. We have to work yeah. on that. I just keep calling it Avatar Verse, and I feel like a big <laughs> dork. What? Um, what? Wait, wait, what? I don't. I'm having trouble trying to picture a context where you would need. One word for all of the. Well, like they're where? traveling around where? Where are they? They're they're traveling around well, the continent. That may be part of the point too. Like she's trying to unite the world spiritually and you know physically, I guess in a way. So eventually, maybe we'll see them. Oh like, my god! Come, come with a way a united they world. Physical plane the, or something? Yeah, yeah. I hit on. I've hit on the very thing that this season is all about. Coming up with a name for the map. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it would be funny if that's what the whole series was. A, well, funny in the sense that I would hate it, but funny in the sense that Pat <laughs> just figured it out. But book four ends with her pulling all the continents together into Mesopotamia. That, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Pangea reverse. <laughs> um, I, there's just a few more things that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up here. One, sure. I, I think we need to talk a little more about Kai, uh, because Kai is like an interesting character to introduce into this framework this scrappy aladdin type thief guy um i'm when i saw kai i'm like i'm i'm, I'm a little scared of this device uh, yeah annoying yeah. little kid who's up to no good and he's gonna always get people into trouble i'm like that that could spell disaster for this but so far so good i'm not i'm not annoyed maybe seeing him locked up at the end of the third episode really did exactly. something for me 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if he were like lolling around in hotel rooms, like home alone, lost in New York for for several episodes, that would be annoying. But uh, right. Yeah. I think I think going TV, into peril so quickly. Does you TV know? have a name for this device? I mean, I, I I might be dating myself in my Nick at Night watching as a kid, but like this is cousin, co- Oliver. cousin Oliver syndrome. Yeah, exactly. This is the yeah. Brady Bunch adding another <laughs> kid to the mix for some reason, but it doesn't see. It's not grating on me. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, Matt. Like, I, I'm a little worried about what they're going to do with him. I'm also I'm not a big fan of the voice acting either. It just feels like this character seems like a bundle of plot devices and not a real person yet. But maybe, maybe. Hey, it's me. It's Kai. Just getting into trouble. Up to no good again. <laughs> I'm <Pick-pocketing>. just a scam. <laughs> uh, yeah, calling him a scamp is what I was like. Red alert. Red alert. Yeah. Uh, but I do. What I really liked from that moment was Cora getting to step up from student to teacher in a way. I think, Dave, you touched upon this when she was talking to Tenzin. But mm-hmm. um, suddenly she is grown up, which is or not grown up all the way, but at least eager to be a teacher, to be a leader, mm-hmm. to be a mature person, which is why it's so baffling to me that even after these three episodes, you know, what I do when I watch these, I go on Twitter and I just, I want to see what people are saying. And people don't like Cora. They still don't like Cora. And I'm not, this is not a majority opinion, but there are a lot of people out there who just hate this girl. Uh, yeah. And I don't get it because she has changed so much from book two. She's level-headed, I mean, she gets frustrated when she can't solve problems, but that's a human trait, people. Uh, mm. that, that happens. I, I get frustrated when people tweet hate towards Cora. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends on who the, who is doing the tweeting, because I do think this show is trying to do things, more mature things, that a lot of people don't quite understand. We've talked about this over the last few seasons, too. Like, just the show may be working on an emotional level that maybe some of the audience doesn't quite get yet. And, you know, that's fine. Uh, I it doesn't matter really what they're saying on the internet. Um, Whoa. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Who cares That's really what about we do. Um, I, I will say that when Korra and Asami take down like a biker gang by themselves, and I'm glad that Asami busted out that, that shock glove thing mm-hmm. that she has. Because she just always has like, it on. I am, but, I, but at first I was like, really? She's just taking down guys on motorcycles and she has no superpowers whatsoever. Like, but then she she's starts shocking people. She's yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, yeah, she's great. But then also that Cora was so quick on the uptake. She, you know, when the guy's like, you're on the wrong side of this fight, Avatar. And she's like, uh, he's probably right. And <laughs> it didn't take her like three episodes to figure that right. out. Right. That's she's such like, a poignant oh. moment and of her yeah. understanding about the world and how messy things are um and and that's why i love bossing say to have that kind of mm-hmm. the, the gray zone that it seems to be existing in and even what i love about this episode is when they fly into bossing say we're given this like wealth of visual information i mean we're watching them kind of come up over the city and it's like wow the, the outer ring really sucks this place mm-hmm. is horrible and then each subsequent ring is like we can see the socioeconomic divide going on in this city and it really hits her does anything yeah. ever really happen in the middle ring? I mean, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. I think there's three, three. right? Because I'm trying lower, to. I think the intramural uh, soccer league is in the middle ring, yeah. Yeah. and the swim <laughs> teams and yeah. fine yeah. high schools. <laughs> All the, Nobody cares about yeah, all the well-meaning activists. <laughs> my, <laughs> so my understanding of the of the tram scene with Mako and Bolin uh, is that. Is there a passport situation in that you can't go from the lower ring to the middle ring or the upper ring? Like, you can go down, but you can't go up? I mean, I know they didn't have any money, but like, right, he asked right. for their passports. Yeah. 
And so that is that how hmm. they keep well, I, like maybe they're I think their the wallets oppressed, also oppressed? would have had their wallets would have had some sort of ID or something. I don't know. I don't know. How does King's Landing well, work, yeah. Joanna? Yeah. <laughs> how does King's Landing? Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, if if that's the case, if if it's a caste system with literal walls and you can't move from <laughs> the lower ring to the middle ring or the upper ring, uh, if you don't have the right passport. You know, like out of towners can do whatever they want so that they showed their passport ID that mm-hmm. said they came from a public city. They could do whatever they want. But if they were a lower ring, you know, riffraff street rats trying to get up to the middle ring, that maybe they can't. I don't Thank know. Thank so much sense. for using that phrasing. <laughs> that Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin lyric <laughs> phrasing. This is all Aladdin all over again. By the way, like well, before we move off from Cora, I do think it's really it's interesting that she was the one who chose to keep Kai. And she had to convince Tenzin, you know, too, because he was like, uh, do we really want this? Do we want a thief as our first guy? So but also, talking yeah. about her growing up, yeah. And, and also Bolin calling him little brother, bringing it back to that, like, whole family thing for them. And, and then showing their connection that they were basically little Kais themselves. Right. But, hey, Although it makes Kais. him look really dumb, too, because he's like, little brother, <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, After he like steals their crap and like just leaves it. Mako has to be best. useful for something. Mako's all sullen and everyone makes fun of him, but he's right about Kai. So yeah, and yet Mako's he has like, Mako. Mako is like the best moment in this episode. I got a little teary when he handed his his uh, scarf to the his scarf. grandmama, which uh, you know that whole like I stumbled upon my family. Uh, thread uh, is a little uh, convenient, yeah. perhaps, but I think it's the lower quite... ring is a large ring. I can't believe they found the one fruit stall where their cousin was working. But <laughs> they're attracted to that. That's, that's like deeper family yeah. connections. Um, at but... least there was some legitimate explanation as to why their uncle recognized them. Yeah, he's yeah. like, "Here's why I saw you in the paper," and I, you know, I was like, "Yeah, he loved the movers." Like, yeah. yeah, he looked like uh, his brother too. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. something. But I mean, still, we should. Whenever people recognize long lost relatives in movies and they're like, You look just like your mother, I'm like, Come on. All right. <laughs> anyway. It happens sometimes. I don't know. Before we wrap up though, we should talk about the uh, the gang of Avatar assassins who yes, are definitely. pretty yes. awesome. oh, so cool. Yeah. Just so cool. Like, you know, I, I think, what was it? Last week we were talking about, like, we don't know who the big bads are going to be this season. It doesn't seem like if there is one true villain. But here it's like, you know, you have, by the way, just like a great, like, movie breakout sequence for all of these folks, like, getting them out of their crazy secret prisons. But just the idea, too, like, we're, do they all represent the different elements? They I guess? now is do. There, yeah. They now do. Yeah. yeah. Assuming so, that yeah. it's Combustion Girl. What was Zaheer doing person? before he got airbending? Was he just like, the brains of the operation. He had a boomerang. He was Sokka-ing it <laughs> up. Danny Ocean of this joint. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that is interesting that he was the leader of this like super team. Water for arms, Combustion Girl, and I don't know, Molten Lava, Earthbender guy, but um, had no powers of his own. Powers of persuasion. Yes. Maybe he's a good fighter. Like he looks like a strong dude, so maybe he he just made up for it by being like Batman or some awesome well, he, fighter. He's a smooth talker. I mean, he's quoting <laughs> Guru Lahima or something. And talking yeah, he about does read poetry. The secret true. of weightlessness and untethered yeah. from the earth. I'm like, whoa, you're deep. He's man. a true kung fu villain, just like from. <laughs> On every level, and I think it's pretty awesome. Like his breakout sequence, just fantastic. Um, but it, I think just 
I guess conceptually too or thematically this whole team the deconstructed avatar team as we were talking about before such a really interesting idea to have them go up against the avatar and I don't know are we going to get some sympathetic reason for believing in their cause too like we did on what's interesting is well one I love that Zuko sells them as a formidable opponent to Korra because he's like they were really tough before we put him in prison, but now that he's an airbender, uh, he's unstoppable. Um, So that was great. But what was really interesting is when Zaheer breaks Gazan, who is the earthbender who totally confused Mm -hmm. me by bending molten lava, I I made a mistake in my recap and called him a firebender. It was very... It was... was Beautiful. It was art. Um, when he busts if them we can out, turn Earth to metal. You know, we can turn rock into molten something or other. I don't know. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Scientifically speaking, it all checks <laughs> out. Um, but when he busts Gazan out, um, they like shake hands, and then he says, "Our path is the righteous one." Like this is a mm. sign that this is all happening. And I find that very interesting. I don't know what that really means in the long run, if this does have some sort of spiritual thing, or if maybe that gives the air nomad theory uh, more more possibility because they come from some sort of religious background or mm-hmm. spiritual. I should say spiritual more often. Yeah, I, I, that also it was by lovewaffle at republiccitydispatch.com <laughs> where you guys can all go and uh, have awesome comment time. We have so much fun reading it. I just wanted to plug plug that right there. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really into combustion chick because we didn't even get to fully see. Well, we saw her mm-hmm. in the trailer, but like we didn't even get to fully see her. She was just she growling had, like, in the shadows. Two lines, and I was like, I am into her. I want yeah. to know more about her. Her name and is Pile. Her newsletter. Yeah, Pile. man, that that breakout scene's got to be awesome though, because you have the three evil Airbenders, and then Zuko, Desna, Eska, and Tanrock are all waiting there for them to show up so next week i'm looking forward to that that's gonna be a big battle and then uh, you got to see um yeah two two weeks two weeks but um joanna you you were excited over um water arm lady who now has a name ming hua uh aka water for arms water for arms arms forever (laughs) that's okay yeah i felt vindicated that i was right that she has lost his mind over that animation over what, what what he was witnessing it's, it was good stuff i i think it's um it's just really creative too because first of all um you don't normally see characters with um i guess such blatant disabilities so just kind of interesting that they would you know kind of ha- highlight that in a kid's show but what they're doing with the power as well is so interesting like this is a completely new I don't know. Every season, we just keep seeing new things happening with the ideas of bending. And for this one, if this person is a waterbender and you know bends water basically to substitute for her arms, yeah, we it's it's, it's almost like did, a Fantastic Four type situation. Did you here, think that was doing. a disability, yeah. or mm-hmm. did I? Maybe I missed that. The, I mean, her did. having no arms. I don't she know. has no arms. She yeah. has no arms. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. wow! I did yeah. not even notice. I just that, thought that's her arms why we're calling her water for arms. For arms. Yeah. Water for arms. <laughs> it's yeah. only the yeah, wow. wow. I have a. I have a super geeky question for everybody. Does it feel like we're going to get a next level of airbending power mm. this season? Because we have Combustion Girl, who's like the most firebender of firebenders. 
And then earthbending obviously has metal and now like this molten thing that we've seen for the first time. And then waterbending, I didn't realize that spirit calming was an extension of a waterbending yeah, form. Yeah. So now waterbending seems like extremely powerful because it also has bloodbending. So mm-hmm. it seems like now airbending needs to step up and become a little bit more combat focused. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of, I think we talked about breathbending at some point when we were talking about this before. Or some sort of more aggressive airbending form. Well, Zahir like quotes emerge. those ancient texts about Guru Lahima unlocking the secret of weightlessness. Ooh, weightlessness. About- I, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. I, it, we're going to see a Dragon Ball Z situation here where we have, you know, midair flights, like people flying all over the place. And that seems like we got a glimpse of that with Zahir's jail breakout. Like he was able to just basically jump off of a mountain. Yeah. And I don't think we've seen anybody use airbending to that degree yet. So imagine, yeah. We've just never Cora. seen it in the offense before, mm-hmm. which I think is really fun. Yeah. I mean, even Cora even... won't even like need the glider. Like she's got the glider exactly. now, exactly. and then she'll be able to do that without it. Oh man, it'll just an episode yeah. will end like the first Matrix, where Rage Against the Machine cuts in and Cora <laughs> just levitates <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> they should the actually do like a nod to Dragon Ball Z, where the entire episode is just Dragon one fight. Yeah. I, that's I mean, what I hated we've about Dragon had Ball Z. That, I think in Korra already. We've had like one episode be mostly a fight, but I do want giant. Just like let's end up in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, like a random desert or something. Giant mid mid air fight that'll. You don't want to do like episodes. Man of Steel style, where they just destroy Republic City or Bossing Zay. We've seen a lot of that already, right? <laughs> yeah, we already had Keiju battle in the Bay. That's true. That's as long true. as there's not a third battle of Republic City Bay, really, that's the only thing that I think would be really lazy if it happens. I think. Again. We're kind of done like with the actions. Yeah, I think yeah, we're like done in the action there. Don't you think that um, how, rounding up that that loose airbender with doing some metal bending and Lin's forces on top of the bridge on top of uh, Kaiushi Bridge was the. I don't mind being done there. Glimpse. It was weird to me though that they so quickly like the first thing Republic City did was put that Aang statue back up. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. everything else, they're like, oh, man, these vines. Well, the only thing we could do, I guess, is put up this statue of the Avatar. So maybe Korra did that Except when she was still big. Avatar. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> like, if if somebody were to, like, let's say I had to stop evil from hitting New York, so I grew into a giant version of Dave and wrestled, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this evil thing knocked over the Statue of Liberty, it would take longer than two weeks to put the Statue of Liberty back up. Not if you yeah. were giant Dave and just plunked it out of the water and back onto Staten Island. Um, maybe they had a whole back bunch of the Staten Island. Staten Island. Sorry, Can we back up on that? Us doesn't live in New York. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Wherever it is. As soon as I said it, I was like, God, that's wrong. It's on its oh, own no. island. Oh, sorry. Statue of Liberty Island. Well, here's here's what I want to say about the, the various bending skills. Talking about taking airbending to the next level. Airbending you can do wherever, right? And the idea behind this combustion fire bending is that she doesn't need a fire source in order to explode things but with earth bending and, and water for arms they need that like that's part of their deal break right they needed those outside they needed those pebbles of that barrel of water in order to like be able to do their skill um i don't know just sort of thinking about how air bending really is the most powerful thing which is probably already obvious to people who watched Avatar, because you can do it without any, because right. air is everywhere, right? Air is so. everywhere. Maybe that's, I don't remember why they all got wiped out, but is that the reason? Is that? Well, no, they all got wiped out because they the Fire Lord was trying to kill that next Avatar, and he knew it had to be an airbender. Right. Oh. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's so intriguing to see Ing. I was trying to find a parallel 
to this, and I couldn't really think of one. Maybe you guys have it. Um, but just like reintroducing something with such immediacy. You know, we haven't seen airbending widespread in 170 years. Is there something like that that has been injected into culture, fictional or, or true to life, um, that like has turned the world around on its head so quickly? I mean, they just, no one's prepared for airbending. So the world is not adjusting to it. So people with airbending can go wild. I don't know if there's anything like that. It just reminded me of like introducing technology, a boom of a device that changes the world (laughs) all of a sudden. Uh, The internet's too big. I would say maybe cell phones. That's pretty big too. I mean, mean, but it's cell phones in conjunction with the internet or the iPod. Maybe it was the iPod. I, I, would, I would go further back. Like, look at look at some of the other big technological revolutions, Vaccine. like uh, the steam engine, something like that. But what took Ugh. off so quickly? Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. That it's not just quickly. about yeah. something with huge impact. It's something mm-hmm. that doesn't take thirty years to kind of. Yeah. No, but additionally, it's in. something that's selective. Only certain people can have it, and that mm. makes them more powerful. That makes it tough. Yeah. Online like, trading. I don't know. <laughs> Wall I know <laughs> smartphones. Yeah, cell phones and smartphones may be the closest thing, but yeah, it's not. It's we can't make the same argument, I guess. Yeah, I we mean, just it, it's, yeah, it's that also out. that aspect of something that did exist way back when, and right. we rediscovered it in a new way. So that's mm-hmm. why I'd go for phones, is because like it's essentially it's like the printing press. It's like Gutenberg's it's, printing press. But <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the tele- literacy. I don't know. It's the telegraph for everybody. So instead of having mm-hmm. to go to the like the town center and talk to somebody else who is in their town center, now we could immediately communicate individual to individual. Thank you for but entertaining that thought experiment. I, uh... Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one. I think everybody else should uh, let us know if they think of a really good yes, one. Yes, please. Um, uh, perhaps we should wrap up here. Oh, actually, one thing I, I wanted to mention, and because. We may have talked about this before the podcast. I can't even remember. It was so long ago. Um, Joanna, you and I were both on the same page with the Earth Queen. Queen Houting um, and her characterization that we thought she was very queen of hearts. And it, it almost continues this kind of weird Alice in Wonderland theme from book two. I don't know what you right. thought about that or like what that means or if she's... Is she is she going to be a big deal here? I mean, she kind of transformed into Prince John and wanted Cora to be her sheriff of Nottingham a little bit. But I don't know how long Queen Helting will stick around. And, you know, the Earth Kingdom was so important to book two of uh, of Avatar The Last Airbender and all the all the creepy dialing or delay stuff that goes on there in book two. And again, they're they're up to no good here. They're trapping airbenders for an army or something. I don't know if this is well, something so Mako- we'll see dispensed quickly or not. I think so, only because Mako and Bolin already know. Like, they found out in this episode that the airbenders are being rounded up. Right. Their grandma so, Their grandma loves the queen. <laughs> she does. That's what that's what tipped people off to the Kim, Kim Jong-il parallel. That, yeah. Like, people have pictures of her in their house, and they're like, oh, right. dear leader. That's, that's true. Any, many, many of these things, though, yeah. I have I a picture of Obama. Time, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I think any time yeah. a, a queen, like, flips out over the gardening it's queen of hearts right it's painting the roses uh-huh. red it's like uh-huh. flipping the topiary around yeah, like the topiary that's... was a good giveaway but uh yeah i think they have to the bossing say is not going to be the larger issue they're gonna free those airbenders fairly soon i think and take them right take them to the temple training i don't know but, like, the fact that they already know that there are airbenders somewhere and they're going to miss Kai pretty quickly, like, that means they're going to figure it out and save them. 
they can't yeah. spend a whole season doing that or else we'll lose <laughs> respect for their <laughs> Kai in jail the whole season. <laughs> Uh, only dreams could come true. No, oh. <laughs> no, I like you, Kai. You're you're a cool guy. Dave, was yes. there was there a search men- mention in this episode? Uh, uh, not the search, uh, the promise. Oh, the promise. Okay. Yes, the Earth Queen very specifically brings up Udao, uh, which you know it's just great for me because it's you know ancient politics of the Earth Kingdom, which is super interesting. I I am still interested in the politics and the money of all of these worlds. So. Uh, <laughs> I was very pleased to see sort of that play out, and I'm very interested to see how the Earth Kingdom has managed to not really change right. uh, despite all of this, which is starting to make me realize that uh, we haven't... This is the first kingdom we've revisited that is in a recognizable form to how it used to be, because obviously the Air Nomads, we got to see them last season, but they're sort of rebuilding uh, their society um, the water tribes, the whole season last season was about how they were different after the Hundred Years War. And uh, this is our first time being back in the Earth Kingdom. And it's like it still has a clueless ruler. It still has evil Dai Li and it still has a three ring city. So I'm wondering if we're going to get any more backstory as to why the Earth Kingdom is so hard to pull together, um, especially yeah, after the New Republic. The promise might be that might be for for hardcore fans. You have, have to do we, your historical reading or listen to our podcast on The Promise. Uh, have we seen the Order of the White Lotus in Korra before? Yes, they trained Korra. Oh, yeah. uh, they're, oh, okay. They're the okay. people who were in charge of her training until mm-hmm. she met, went to Tenzin. Okay, okay. Mm, Something's yeah. never I changed. Let, I hope we learned the backstory of how those all those folks were imprisoned. And, you know, because uh, clearly they went to some lengths to imprison this like team this is like they're all in magneto type prisons for their respective powers so 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 you want like a an orange is the new black backstory for (laughs) i want i want to know what happened for sure i think that's you might get your wish because book one had a lot of flashbacks except Mm -hmm. to ang and book two had you know the beginning parts one and two so i think that's actually now a hallmark of the series yeah the lin bay fong footage seems there's an inevitable rounding up the bad guys Sequence. Which means Toph? Toph? Question mark? Is Toph alive? Is that what you're? Is that what you're linger? Or that's what you're you're hoping for now that uh, you've seen Zuko? You have to move to Toph. Project. Toph's alive. We know Toph's alive. So. Yeah, yeah. She's been training people all over the world. That's what we heard at the beginning of Korra, like when the whole show started. It's gonna so. be sweet. She'll be back. She'll be back. Um, why don't we go out on this episode um, with one of our favorite moments from? this whole span, this whole three episode run. Is, is there something little that sticks out to you that we didn't fit into this conversation that, uh, that we should bring up here? Dave, I'm looking at you. Uh, I like the description of the air family at the beginning. Cause even though we don't get to spend a lot of time in that two week status quo with everybody living in the same house, um, just, uh, the description of Pema's the put upon mom and the wacky uncle and the grumpy dad. <laughs> Every way Bolin makes me realize that he was living in a sitcom for two weeks made yeah. me want to watch that sitcom. So I and love here's it. a sullen teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk much about Boomy and like 
his crazy antics in oh, the yeah. beginning here. That's no, how that's this my, started. That's my number one thing is is the sweater that he made for for Boomju. <laughs> the fact that like Boomy made a sweater, and not only is that how it started, like the the series started this year, but also like he goes back to it and he's like talking about this sweater he made. <laughs> yes, the, ra- the when he's going off about discovering airbending detents, and he's like, yeah. maybe the sweater didn't fit, but yeah, it's like this whole sweater rant, and that's the comedy. Um, organic comedy that you talked about before, uh, and then also of course shirtless Tenzin. I will I will bring that back up again. So. Uh, I like seeing the the air wheel and his the dog and pony show for yeah, air yeah, bending yeah. was pretty fun. And how bad Mako was at it. Mm-hmm. I think I liked uh, the airship guys. Like we we're seeing Asami go full Bruce Wayne. Like she is just throwing <laughs> the resources of her family now to make the team better more powerful and uh, i think it's kind of cool so now instead of like you know oh everybody's riding sky bison again no they're they're traveling in style guys. do you like the cg animation they use for it's okay it's uh, there some of it there there was a point where i think uh that scene where a building in the first episode was falling apart and like the top of the spire or something was cg mm. i think yeah. looked pretty bad but some of it looks really good and i think the animation Overall, otherwise, has been great. The, so. the flies are the only thing that bugged me on that mm-hmm. uh, route. They, they use CG flies around the fruit and in the uh, lower circle. I which actually thought really I stood had out. flies in my house when I saw that. <laughs> it just looks different compared to everything yeah. else, but most of the it time looks like they're better. It's on another plane. Uh, yeah. Dave, I was going to ask you, like, why, why when you're animating the airship or something, do they use CG versus the traditional hand-drawn stuff? Is that just because of... I mean, we've seen it in the vehicles in the past, um, the, the like, claw robot suits, mm. robo-suits that people use. Yeah. They, those were all done with CG. I Is mean, there a reason I, for that? Yeah, I want to... Uh, let me see how quickly I can make this. So <laughs> if you have um, something like they do... Uh, wide shots in Korra, which is basically like a painting. Uh, the way you make that look 3D is by something called parallaxing, which is things closer to you move less than things further away from you. So they had that sticking... in Green Lantern, if I yes. recall. Well, I mean, that's the name of the villain. Don't confuse people. Sorry. Patches. It's a very... <laughs> parallaxing is a real joke. animation term <laughs> if you want to Google it and not get the Green Lantern person. Um, so if you're putting a vehicle or anything that is going to have to make really complex motions in between all this parallaxing, it's going to be easier and you're going to get solid lines if you're putting a 3D object that's colored that could, uh, you could treat it more like you're doing stop motion animation and the computer will make up the frames in between. Uh, as opposed, and it, that makes it look something different to like bending forms, which they're still drawing off of actual martial artists. So they're drawing from poses of somebody actually doing a form, and that's where they add like sort of this motion blur and whatnot. So it really differentiates between the mechanical vehicle things that can move freely throughout this world and how a human moves through a parallaxing world, if that makes any sort of sense. A human moving through a parallaxing world. That is, that's some 80s sci fi jargon. If I've ever heard it. Um, well, Isn't it you. cheaper, by the way, too, to do vehicles that way instead of just hand drawing like they're moving be. across? Because uh, we've seen it pop up all over the place lately. It's certainly more reusable. So if you're going to have something like they need to land the airship in right. a bunch of different locations. That's where I noticed it. Yeah. Like yeah. airship moving around. You have an uh, asset instead of like, yeah, multiple cells, I guess. Yeah. yeah so it's like the they made the uh, mech machines for season one. And then they popped up in season two, mostly, I think, just because they had made enough mech machines that they're like, well, we might as well use it in the Nuktuk films and this one <laughs> warehouse shot. Because we have this asset that we paid for and, you know, can move around in 3D space. I so, I mean, thank you. The, 
the best thing is if it's made out of CG, we're probably going to be seeing it a lot and again. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and just to wrap up, things that stood out to me here, two lines. One, I really liked when um, Kaya told Boomy that she's been noticing a change in his aura, and he freaked out. <laughs> Why did you yeah, tell me? Did you tell me. Yeah, I, I, I really <laughs> appreciated that. Um, God, what was the other one? Oh, I, I really liked when um, Bolin's uncle was like, we love your nuck tucks. They're so funny. And he's like, they're not supposed to be funny. Um, yeah. That was not just, really comedy. So uh, yeah, there's something. It's interesting what they've been doing with Bolin since book one. He was such a, a force to be reckoned with. I think in book one, comedically, but he was so essential to the missions, Team Avatar. Uh, and as there have been more characters, they haven't had as much room for that. Um, and I think he got lost in book two. I mean, I like the movers stuff. I like Nuck Tuck, but it's it's superfluous in a in a show that couldn't afford to have superfluous moments unfortunately uh but here he's like back to his old antics like he's part of the team he loves being team avatar and helping Korra and obviously getting mako back on board um and he just has like this positive spirit the show needs and that he's the one reaching out to kai i can you know if i'm gonna like kai it's because bolin loves kai uh and that's so important and just to wrap up uh what was i going to my 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 favorite moment was Korra trying to spirit bend the vines away. I thought that was really powerful. Like, and going back to something that keeps frustrating me is people not seeing a change in Korra, seeing this kind of level-headed approach or like a spiritual approach to getting rid of something. She solves this problem, or at least she thinks she has a solution. Like maybe spirit bending the vines away will make them disappear because they're in tune with the spirit world, right? Um, and it just blows up in her face. And I thought that was a really important moment and- for her. <laughs> And the media was there. And the media, um, oh, they're always there, I, ready to blog. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot what my favorite was, like, the recounting of that headline. I can't even remember all of it, but it was like, Ryko, no, like, right, the pun. terrible pun. <laughs> the New York Post, the Republic City <laughs> Post headline in the morning. Um, well, guys, I think that about wraps up our, our conversation on these first three episodes. Am I missing anything? Did we Did we touch on everything about these? three episodes there was so much there but i think uh Mm -hmm. elegantly strung together uh it wasn't it wasn't a movie per se but it was three great episodes of television um so why don't we why don't we tell people where they can find us uh so that we can get right back to i don't know what are we doing today watching more cora probably (laughs) um no not until two weeks from now anyway let's tell the people where they can find us on the internet davindra Sure, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Javindra, and I write about technology at venturebeat.com. I also podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Joanna? Uh, you can find me most days on vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. I do another TV-based podcast called The Station Agents. You can find those episodes at thestationagents.com. Dave? I'm Dave Gonzalez. Spell my first name DA7E. That's also my Twitter handle. I write about superhero movie news and Star Wars at latino-review.com. I also do a podcast called Fighting in the War Room at fightinginthewarroom.com with Mr. Patches. We're also going to do our last episode of this season's Storm of Spoilers at Fighting in the War Room slash Got Spoilers. We're going to talk about how the books and the series of Game of Thrones might end. So if you're totally spoiler phobic, but crazy pants fandom speculation pro, then uh, hit us up over there. Is that how you pronounce Star Wars? Is it pronounced Star Wars? Star Wars! It's all Oprah Star Wars all the time. (laughs) I thought it was like Star Wars, nothing Uh, but Star Wars. I know, I know. (laughs) 
Uh, and I am Matt Patches. I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches. You can, I write all across the internet and try and put everything on my Tumblr, mattpatches.com. And I'm actually uh, covering Cora this season for screencrush.com. So you can read some written reviews over there. And as Dave mentioned, we do another podcast called Fighting in the War Room. That's all pop culture talk. Uh, and we will be back in two weeks when new episodes of Cora resurface. I think they're going back to one a week on Friday nights, uh, unless they schedule bend like they did last year. Hopefully that is not <laughs> the case because we like being, we like some structure in our lives uh is that right dave is it definitely friday nights once a week or uh it's looking like it's going to be friday nights at eight is the new time slot um i don't know if it's going to be once a week yet we're still in the um leaks uh the fir- the leaks were at three through six i believe or three through five oh so we have a few weeks of leaked episodes so please guys i know it's even Hold harder out. now that you strong. know what they're going to be about but like if you uh, looked at what the earth queen looks like on broadcast and on nick.com just so much better than what actually made it out in, uh, with crappy fan yeah. subs hold out for so, hd it's worth hold it. out studio guys. mirror they're doing a great job and um I'm, I'm currently investigating why the episodes aren't on itunes too i'm not sure what's going As on I. yeah i'm trying All to get of Cora's official gone from itunes actually yes yeah. so something's up there but um i'm pretty sure they're putting episodes on nick.com and mm-hmm. there will be one way to find them or another. So hold out, be strong, do it officially. I, I almost think like this this early release made it tough for them to prime them and get them ready for iTunes. Makes so sense. there's probably going to be a delay. Yeah. Um, but yes, be, be good fans, watch them legally, and um, watch them with us every week, and come back here and listen to more Republic City Dispatch. Again, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback, either on Tumblr or on iTunes reviews or anything. Let's keep the conversation going. Until ne- next week, goodbye. Goodbye.